All right, our second lesson comes from James 4, verses 1 to 17. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against their brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. <laughs> Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You guys should know by now, if you uh, have ever heard us speak before, that I'll never make it through without bursting into tears at some point. So I'm getting it right away at the beginning. <laughs> All right. So we would like to say hello from Eastern Europe. We've put together a few pictures to go with our reflections today. Um, it doesn't exactly count as a sermon, perhaps, but at least reflections. Um, so we're going to try to show you that with screen sharing. So let me try to do that. So this is where we're talking from. And thank you for this opportunity to share and reflect with you about our ministry here in Klaipeda, Lithuania. Klaipeda is on the west coast of Lithuania, next to the Baltic Sea. For anyone who doesn't know us yet, we teach philosophy at LCC International University here in Klaipeda. LCC is a small Christian liberal arts university that is uniquely placed to serve in a region of the world that has been deeply damaged by Soviet rule and struggles with corruption, alcoholism, and despair. 
Students come to LCC from more than 40 countries, mostly in Eastern Europe and Central Asia. We were called here by God in 2016 to witness to God's goodness through Christian hospitality and conversation inside and outside of the classroom. LCC's mission is to transform and equip students to be servant leaders in their own countries and around the world. We seek to teach classes that build community, help students reflect on their lives and world, understand the uniqueness of what a Christian worldview has to offer, and seek to welcome students who otherwise would not have the opportunity for higher education. When we think back over the past year in Lithuania, it's easy to think in terms of plans, goals, things accomplished. For example, for the first two weeks of the fall semester, Trisha was scheduled to teach an intensive course on peacemaking and justice in a small mission-focused uh, university in Germany. And that's what she did, having a great time with the students there. Uh, in the meantime, I planned to teach her two ethics courses, and that's what I did. And I was also quite happy to see some old worldview students uh, taking Trisha's classes. Good to meet them again. We planned to hold weekly philosophy nights in our apartment, and we did, though, of course, we didn't plan the conversation. We also think of plans that didn't work out, like my class on ecology and creation care, which was canceled due to lack of students. And then, of course, there was the spring semester, which was planned out too, but didn't quite go according to plan. Just like teachers everywhere, we ended up teaching the second half of the semester online. And no more philosophy nights after spring break. We make plans and plans change. We all know this, don't we? It probably seems that James hardly needs to remind us of this reality this year, especially after the last months we've all experienced. Yet, are we experiencing these changes out of the spirit of submission to God that James encourages us toward? Or just as, well, stuff happens? One of the big questions for us uh, has been this summer to travel to the States or not to travel to the States. There are so many uncertainties, so many different perspectives, even within our own families. And the situation keeps changing so much. Perhaps you too know this situation. We have plans and then there's what happens. And who knows what will happen or where we'll be next week. Why plan? When James asks, what is your life? Our experience of having our plans become unplanned makes us want to chime right in with, on his answer, a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Though this sometimes makes us want to join the teacher in Ecclesiastes to shout meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. James isn't going there in this passage. He goes on to write, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. James is reminding us what it means to live in partnership with God, collaborating with him in his projects, rather than going off and doing our own thing and hoping for his blessing on it. If it is the Lord's will, thanks to Pastor Wade, 
We've been thinking about those words lately in the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done. James knows how poorly our plans often match up with the Lord's will, as do we. Yet, do you ever have the feeling that the Lord's will is a bit too mysterious to go on? And that what else really do we have but our own plans to guide us? What does it mean to submit to God's will? It's interesting that James doesn't stop to define clearly, exactly, and precisely what he means when he's talking about the Lord's will. As a matter of fact, I get the feeling that he would avoid doing any such thing, as he has the strange idea that the Lord himself is perfectly capable of communicating his will to us in his time and his way. The only thing we need to do is avoid confusing our plans with his way. Simple, isn't it? Perhaps this sort of simplicity is the hardest thing for us to get. It seems to us that the Lord has often worked his will out in our lives by leading us through one thing to another. We'd like to give you an example from our past year of how this sort of thing seems to have worked out in a very simple down-to-earth dimension of our lives, housing. Simple, material sort of thing, isn't it? And yet it affects how we welcome our students in and how we go about contributing to the community we find ourselves in. When we arrived in Lithuania in the fall of 2016, we lived in an apartment on LCC's campus that seemed quite sufficient for our needs. We had no plans to move elsewhere. But the next spring, we were told that the apartment would be needed for another new family, and that now that we had a year of experience under our belts, we needed to find an apartment off campus. We prayed that the Lord's will would be done. We've told you that story before, how one of my students waltzed into my office one day and asked if we wanted to rent her family's apartment. It was a gift and we were extremely grateful for it. It was a bright, warm two bedroom apartment right between the forest and the beach. And again, it seemed quite sufficient for our needs. This past fall, however, we began to experience some restlessness and anxiety regarding the apartment. As our kids were getting bigger, we began to think that it would be good for them to have their own bedrooms and just a little more space in general. We were also starting to experience more stress from the noise of several neighbors who liked loud music a lot more than we did, as well as a neighbor downstairs who did not think that children should run around on his ceiling. We felt strongly, however, that if the Lord wanted to give us a different place to live, he would do so without our looking for it. So we prayed that the Lord's will would be done. In the meantime, we had been developing a friendship with a new family at LCC, the Coxes. They have three little boys, two of whom are just older and just younger than Peregrine. They have a passion for Christian community and opening their home to students, something that was a major challenge for them at the time, since their apartment was on the fifth floor of the back of a series of apartment buildings far enough away from LCC to make it very difficult for visitors to find. They were in the process of looking for something that would allow them to live out their vision more fully. We began to have weekly dinners together and dreamed of living in the same neighborhood. One day they said to us, we found two duplexes a block apart from each other in the neighborhood next to LCC, one for you and one for us. Although their lease wouldn't be up until May and they weren't quite sure about the duplex they were looking at, the idea of living in a neighborhood near each other was exciting. We decided together to open a conversation with God and each other about the possibility of renting the two duplexes with an idea of it being a way for us all to live out Christian community more fully. 
The next week, we arranged to visit both the duplexes with them. We prayed that we would either love or hate the one that they had identified for us. We saw it and we loved it, although it was much bigger and nicer than we thought we needed. On the other hand, every three bedroom apartment we had heard of up to that point that was in a good neighborhood was at least double what we were paying for our old apartment. And this was a good deal less than that. We and the Coxes agreed to move ahead in tandem and that if one of the duplexes didn't work out for either of us, both of us would stop the process. We prayed that the Lord's will be done. In the meantime, we prayed that God would show us that he could provide the extra finances needed to rent a larger apartment. That month, we received double the amount of donations we usually receive in a month. This seemed like a pretty clear answer to our prayer. So we and the Coxes both moved ahead with a follow-up meeting with the respective landlords, answers to questions, and plans to sign contracts. We checked in with each other at each stage, and it seemed like it was all going to work out. The Lord's will was clear. Our landlord was available to sign the contract before theirs was, so we met and made the commitment. The next day, the Coxes learned that the landlord for the house they were looking at had decided to rent it to someone else. We all thought, what? This seemed like such a clear leading from the Lord. Did we all misinterpret this? It was too late for us to back out but they weren't going to be our neighbors after all. However, they helped us to move into our new place in February, and we felt grateful but guilty for the fact that we were now living in a lovely apartment that is close to campus and easy for students to get to, where Peregrine can run around to his heart's content, both the kids can have their own rooms, and we almost never hear loud music from our neighbors, while the Coxes were still in their little hard-to-find fifth-floor apartment. We gradually all got used to the idea that God had indeed intended this home for us, but not the other one for the Coxes. Then in May, when the lease for their apartment was up, a new apartment came available in our neighborhood. It's perfect for hosting, very easy to find, and only four short blocks away from us. Peregrine can bike over and play soccer with their boys in two minutes. We're so happy now that the other place didn't work out because this one is so much better. We weren't wrong after all about God leading us to the same neighborhood. It just wasn't as straightforward as we originally thought. Sometimes then it seems that the Lord leads us through our plans to something else to get his will done. He doesn't just unplan our plans and substitute something else entirely. Rather, he leads us through our plans to more than we could have asked or imagined. Leading us through our plans to something else. Actually, that seems to have been something of a theme for us this past year. Early on in the fall, a student who had been coming to Philosophy Night quite regularly approached me and asked if she could meet with uh, both of us to read essays by the philosopher Martin Heidegger. Unexpected, but okay, this is something we can fit into our plans, so we did it. Reading, reading Heidegger aloud, slowly, carefully, stopping every paragraph to ponder his meaning was an unexpected blessing for me. COVID briefly put a stop to our meetings, but when we resumed, the student brought a friend. And we found that the pattern of our meetings had changed. We were still reading philosophy, but we were also spending time, more time talking about life in general. Racism, family, fairy tale, God. God seems to be leading us all through philosophy to a change to think, to a chance to think with these students, both of whom are what we might be called questioning Christians in a way that could affect their whole lives. Although we're sad not to be in the US for Benjamin's sister's wedding, for my sister's wedding, 
to get to know our miraculous new nephew and to spend time with you all as we plan. The opportunity to spend two or three hours with these students each week this summer is an incredible blessing. In this, we see the Lord's will being done. Often then, it seems as if what threatens to end our plans ends up not just making them come out unplanned, but leading us beyond them to more than we could have hoped or expected of them. Trisha's introduction to philosophy class started the spring semester with an enthusiastic, diverse group of students, and it seemed like it was going to be the best class ever. Based as it is on intense in-class interactions between the students, it seemed doomed when COVID came up, uh, around and all learning had to move online. And there's no getting around the fact that for most students, learning online is difficult and not as effective. One of the quieter students, however, really found her voice in writing. And she and Trisha were able to have more of a back and forth teaching relationship than they would have had otherwise. This was the student we mentioned in our most recent letter, when, uh, who became a Christian last year through the Alpha program at LCC, and was seeking to find new ways of thinking and being that would be in tune with her new faith. She ended up finding the online version of the course extraordinarily helpful in this process. Again, we can see the Lord's will at work in her life. As we look ahead through the rest of our summer and into next fall, we wonder what God will do with our present plans. Will LCC be able to live up to its vision of transforming student lives through relationship if many students can't make it back on campus due to closed borders, or if we aren't allowed by the government to have as many students living on campus as usual? If we have limited contact with students, will we be able to live up to our vision of welcoming students into relationship in order to help them taste and see God's goodness? Will philosophy night be able to happen? More than ever, we know that the future is unknown. Class planning for the next semester, for example, is going to be a little more challenging than usual. Although the pandemic is officially over for now in Lithuania, in light of the uncertain situation, LCC decided to split the fall semester into two quarters, with all courses being taught both in person and online. Just in case a second wave of the pandemic forces us to do part of the semester entirely online again. Most students will have two intensive classes in each half semester and one class that goes the whole semester. So I will have to figure out how to teach my ethics course in seven and a half weeks, meeting for two and a half hours twice a week instead of one hour three times per week, plus including an online version for students who can't make it to campus. Benjamin will do the same with his worldview class. How do you plan classes this way? And how do you effectively teach classes that likely will be taught partly in person and partly online? I will also be teaching two seminar style courses, one on political philosophy and one on peacemaking and justice. We won't know until August at the earliest how many of the students in each of these classes will be present and how many will participate remotely. We're none too sure how all of this will work, but we're trusting that God will be able through our plans to get his will done. We hope to say with James, if it's the Lord's will, we will do this and that. In all of this, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your faithful support of our ministry here, especially at a time when the uncertainties of life are hitting hard for you too. We couldn't do this without you. We'd just like to say that a huge unexpected blessing that the Lord has given us through the pandemic is the opportunity to be with you in worship each week.
Thank you.